Welcome to Coffee Content Etc. I'm your host, Mitch Sims. Let's get started. Alright guys, welcome to Coffee Content Etc. This morning I have a wonderful friend of mine joining me, uh, Ms. Heidi Hartman. Heidi, how's your morning going so far? It is going well. How is your morning going? Started early, I understand. It did, it did. So we were we had the pleasure of chatting for a few minutes before we went through and jumped on this morning, and we were talking about uh kids that go through and are learning to adapt in this crazy environment while still trying to keep their day-to-day going. So this is a picture of my niece who is going through and doing schoolwork with her kindergarten class, actually pre-K. And so that was my sister's house. And then shortly after I get the guilt text from my wife that, oh, this is how our morning is going. As you can see, my daughter, that is not a happy face. <laughs> so we have, uh, we have gone through and hit full meltdown mode, I think at about 7.30 this morning. Oh, dang. <laughs> You've got to love it when, when kids go through and get taken off their daily schedules and you're not able to go through and redirect them easily. It does make for interesting days, nights. And sometimes you wake up at 4.30 in the morning and find your seven-year-old on an iPad. So that does not go through and make for an easy day by any means. (laughs) Well, Heidi, before we get started, I wanted to go through if I'm going to run through your background. I'm going to try and do this quickly because this is, I don't want to skip anything. Just shorten it. Oh, I don't, I don't want to leave any of this out. This is such good (laughs) stuff. So Heidi and I have known each other for probably about six years now, on and off through uh, the circles of HR. And I will have to admit that when I asked for Heidi's bio, I didn't even know some of these things. So I hope I am able to go through and give you guys some information on how awesome Heidi is here. So 20 years in corporate HR, master's in human relations, uh, even went through and studied at Oxford for a time. Um, multiple executive coaching certifications, um, American Training Development Accredited Coach. And to go through and put a cherry on top of all of that is a yellow belt in Lean Six Sigma. She's currently the president of Terra, and she's the OKHR Council Director Elect in all of her free time, and has done and was part of Leadership Tulsa. In the or for the class of the forty fourth class, right now so, I was president. I was president of Terra, but not now. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, and then in her spare time, she spends with Chris, their two daughters, two cats, and two dogs. Who I were I was lucky enough to go through and meet the other day. And also serves on several nonprofit boards. So Heidi and I have a wonderful thing to just go through and talk about today, which is emotional intelligence. This is something that is near and dear to my heart. And I was really excited when 
Heidi mentioned this was something that uh, she would like to speak on. And so I was really curious because everybody, it seems like, has a different definition of emotional intelligence in general, what it means to them, what it means to their company, uh, what it means to their clients. So Heidi, what does emotional intelligence mean to you? I'm pretty simple. And to me, Mitch, it is really the science of how we show up. How do we engage with others? How do we make them feel? Um, Understanding really how we come across and have that self-awareness. There's a quote by John Whitmore all around, awareness empowers us. And it empowers us to really stop and think about What's our intent? How do we want to come across? And the way that we manage that self-awareness, awareness awareness of others, um, our emotional reasoning, and inspiring performance. So to me, it's just how we show up and how we engage with others and, and the way in which we build those relationships. Sorry, Heidi, got a little pop up there. Um, So... What is the perceived benefit of emotional intelligence to a company's employees? Yeah. So we all have emotions that are going on all the time. And there's about 85% of them that we're not even aware of. And um, as individuals in organizations, what really can benefit us is if we're able to stop and manage those emotions, the World Economic Forum talks about um, the top 10 skills that you need to grow in the workplace that help you be successful. And emotional intelligence is one of those top 10. But when you read the list, Mitch, it is so cool because emotional intelligence really impacts about six other of the skill set. And I'll get that to you so you can send it out um, after. I don't have it all off the top of my head. But think about that. Emotional intelligence can leverage 70% of what makes you successful in an organization. So if you're able to focus on that and manage your emotions Um, Think about the way in which you want to come across, how you want to make others feel, and be really intentional about that. That is going to help your career grow in whatever area you want to grow. Now, don't get me wrong. You still have to nail the job that you're doing and have that skill set to do the work. But it is that uh, 70% of what is going to get you ahead has to do with emotional intelligence. And as individuals, we really can have control over our career based on the way that we show up and engage others. So knowing that 70% of your skill set is impacted by emotional intelligence, overall, how does emotional intelligence impact a business? So I think, you know, when it it impacts the business, um, 
it could be either positive or negative, right? It, depending on the awareness and that emotional intelligence level that its employees have. But if the leaders have that um, emotional intelligence, it really focuses on, it helps us leverage resilience, which is something we're in so much need of right now. When you think about the world that we're in, current state, and emotions are really high, and people are acting out in poor behaviors, I'll tell y'all a story. Uh, one of our daughters is still in New York City, which makes me kind of nervous right now. But she shared that um, she went to Target to buy some water, and she had a fight with this older gentleman who won, by the way, um, in the middle of Target. And it wasn't the toilet paper, right? It was his fear, that scarcity, those things that are going on, and it impacts our organizations. It impacts our workplaces because it's the way that we interact with each other. So when we have emotional intelligence and it's like a continuum and we're when we're on the side of being more open, um, it helps us be able to have more patience and um be more intelligent about our response. It helps us be more creative, more resilient. It helps us um, increase our sales. It helps us with uh, really the bottom line. When we're on the other side of the continuum where um, our emotional intelligence may not be as high or as strong, then it really narrows our ability to be creative and resilient. And you take on or you're, um, you might be more temperamental or indifferent. Utilize and grow and build in your people. Um, on my So I'll just kind of keep going about emotional intelligence. Okay, I'm back, Christy. You're Christy Heidi. Okay. So looking at Christy's face going through and uh, giving us a big <laughs> smile this morning as I'm trying not to have a Wi-Fi meltdown here. My emotional intelligence is about to go through the floor. So <laughs> I, I was going through and thinking while you were mentioning a few of those things on how to relate what what I see as emotional intelligence and leadership in today's corporate America. And one of the things that I feel is speaking very, very loudly is the CEOs that are deferring pay for a year to make sure that their employees get covered. Uh, the businesses that are going through 
marketing corporations that are going through and uh, giving a thousand dollars to their employees or more that have taken those measures to make sure, listen, hey, we're not talking about profitability first. We're talking about our people first because we recognize without our people, there's no profits. And so it's been interesting because in January, uh, I went through and talked about emotional intelligence very briefly at one of our lunch and learns. And I did some digging. And so Heidi, you might be able to kind of back me up here, but uh, there were a couple of companies that decided to put different levels of emotional intelligence training into place and measure the results. And so yeah. some of them to kind of back up what you were saying uh, was Motorola went through and uh, gave their manufacturing segment of their organization emotional intelligence training and found that they had 93% of their employees had an increase in productivity. And when you think about Motorola, there's probably not much fat to trim on that manufacturing arm. And so to get 93% of employees to be more productive is hugely important for an organization like that, especially when you're talking about the ROI of what you're doing. So you're not spending a lot on the emotional intelligence training per se compared to the return you're getting. Right. And you mentioned sales, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting, uh, Santa Fe, who's the French pharmaceuticals manufacturer, went through and gave emotional intelligence training to their sales force, and Harvard found that they had a 12% increase in performance overall, which from a sales perspective is amazing. And it is huge. So they went through and attributed it sheerly to the fact that it was more along the lines of stress management, which again is a form of emotional intelligence. And so that plays right into what you were mentioning, Heidi. Yeah, it is. It, it is amazing to me at how air we breathe, Mitch, um, for good, or you can use it in a, for evil, right? I mean, when you have low emotional intelligence, um, you see there's higher turnover, you've decreased employee engagement, decreased sales. Um, when people are um, stressed out, that is narrowed down, right? Or when they're just unaware of um, how it could be leveraged. And I'm reading a book right now, um, the new Lencioni book on the ideal, ideal team player. And it's funny now that I've, um, you know, I've always been interested in emotional intelligence and I've read a lot around it. But um, the recent certification that I got around the assessment tool, the Genos assessment tool, now I'm just seeing it everywhere. It's like when you buy a new car and um, or you decide to buy a car and then you see it like everywhere and you hadn't seen it before. And just to see how pervasive it is and how successful or um, frustrated supervisor or leader with good emotional intelligence can make the difference in an organization. Absolutely. Okay, I hope that's going to be the end of my Wi-Fi woes here. I had to 
try and connect to my hotspot because apparently AT&T did not know that I was trying to use bandwidth this morning for some reason. <laughs> Welcome AT&T for the positive shout out there. Um, so Heidi, you know, one of the things that I mentioned was really focused on large corporations, but as far as emotional intelligence goes, is this something that really is just focused on large corporations with great culture and flashy offices and foosball tables, or is this something that every company can go through and see positive uh, returns out of? Yeah, I think anyone, um, you know, you mentioned those two case studies, Mitch, and the Santa Fe Pharmaceuticals um, and how what an impact it made for their sales team. And I'm not sure the size of that organization, but I will say I've even seen how um, focusing on this and being more intentional has enhanced my client relationships. And I'm a company of one. So I think no matter what size, no matter what whiz-bang things that you have, um, enhancing your emotional intelligence and investing in that and focusing on um, some type of education or coaching or um, infusing this into your organization and having it be part of your expectations, especially for your leaders, but even that entry-level individual can have it too, but really focusing on that can help leverage your organization and make it a better place to work. And you don't need to invest a whole lot of money. You don't need to get, um, you know, a, a soda machine at everybody kind of thing. Um, you know, when you invest in this, it, it makes a huge difference, whether small or large. So just out of curiosity and feel free to decline if, if this kind of catches you off guard, but without using names, do you have any success stories from any of your clients that you've gone through and worked on emotional intelligence with? Yeah, it, it is. Um, there's a lot that I have through coaching and working on a development plan um, have really helped move the needle. I think um, this is a journey and it's a process and you're not, we're never going to get to a hundred percent, no matter how enlightened we may be. It's a process to get there. Right. Especially when you think about 85% of our emotions, we are not even aware of, but um, there was a gentleman that I was working with um, who has an engineering background. We'll call him Jack. That is not his name. (laughs) Changing the name to protect the innocent now. Um, and Jack had the highest turnover rate in the entire organization. And, um, he was considered a bully. He was, uh, you know, sometimes what we may put as a three letter word after Jack, right. That was kind of his gnome de plume within the organization. Um, And we did an assessment and uh, really increased his self-awareness, helped him think about the way that he's coming across to others. How does he want to come across to others? You know, how's he wanting to show up? And, um, you know, he, he changed his behavior over a period of time that we worked together and he ended up 
with the lowest turnover in the organization, um, I caught him stopping to ask his employees, so, you know, how's your kid's soccer team? He came in, um, and, you know, we didn't want to change authentically who he was, but it's how do you adjust your behavior? And um, my friend Adam Seaman, who is um, like the strengths guru, um, has this model called the COIN model. And it is, how do we connect with the behavior of what's going on? Um, how do we become informed about it? Observe that behavior and then think about how we nuance it. What are some changes that we can do um, to adjust that? And Back was able to adjust that. He he would still be very um, forthright. He came into my office and was like, Heidi, I need blah, blah, blah. You know, it was very uh, dictatorial. And he walked off. And then Mitch was almost like he moonwalked back to my doorway and said, hey, um, how's your daughter doing? I understand, you know, she's getting ready to graduate. And it was like you know, Jack, thank you. She's doing well, you know, settling in Santa Fe, doing great. And it was like um, such a win in seeing that behavior shift, right? He didn't change who he was, but he thought about how can I nuance? What is it that Heidi needs from me? Or what is it that my staff needs from me? And that made a real difference in the way that his staff ended up showing up. Um, the work that they did, they were more engaged, they seemed more resilient. Um, it just made a huge difference in how he was able to shift and be really intentional about this is the goal that I have. And there's many ways to skin this cat, right? And if I focus on what my employees need from me and how I need to show up, um, it totally shifted that work environment. Wow, that's impressive. So it, that brings me to uh, sort of the next question that I have. So we understand the benefit of emotional intelligence, at least from a high level and what the potential or perceived returns could be. But if I'm in HR and maybe I'm new to emotional intelligence, what would a good multi-step game plan be to try to get those managers who we all know who they are, or at least have some idea of who they are, but how do we help them improve their day-to-day -day, similar to that story with Jack? So I would say, you know, it's really a multi-pronged approach and you need to address it for how it's going to work best for you. I would say read as much as you can. And there is so much out there. And I think I sent you a list of some of the books um, that we can share. Um, this is, um, and I have a stack here too. This is, uh, yes. <laughs> Me One too. Of my favorites. <laughs> I got that there. And then Emotional Intelligence 2.1, Daniel Goldman's Emotional Intelligence. And then here is uh, the Genos 
system that I just got certified in. So taking that assessment for yourself, figuring out, you know, is this a fit for the organization? You can bring in coaches, but I would start by reading and learning what I can. There's a ton. I mean, if you Google, there are I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hits around emotional intelligence. And it may be a lot to sift through, but I would focus on Daniel Goldman. Uh, Dr. Ben Palmer is another individual who's known really well. There's a lot of Harvard Business Review and Inc. Magazine articles out there that are great. So I would read those I would get a hold of somebody who you think is pretty well versed on the topic and talk to them and see what ideas and resources that they might have that you can share. Um, I mentioned bringing in a coach um, who could help your leaders with that and um, in, you know, our state, I know of some really good ones. Um And then, you know, think about how you can model the way in being that true business partner with your leaders. And I wouldn't say, you know, to your CEO or executive team, okay, y'all, we need to bring in some emotional intelligence to this organization. I wouldn't necessarily use that terminology, right? I would say, I would find out what are those key levers that really can move our organization. So is it, um, you know, we're having super high turnover, probably not right now, right? But um, are employees engaged or not engaged? Um, How's our sales force? Can we enhance that? What are the levers that are really key to the leaders And think about ways that you can use their same terminology to bring in ways to say, okay, if we want to increase our um, resilience or creativeness in the organization, if we want to leverage employee engagement, if we want to um, enhance sales, here are some things that we can do. And here are some case studies that um, Mitch Sims told me about that we can look at. And I can provide some more around those too. Um, but, you know, there. if you look at what are those levers and then think about how we can leverage that for our organization and make a difference, I believe that this is something that can really set us apart from our competition, and you look at we're in kind of the the fourth uh, industrial revolution with artificial intelligence, and what is going to set our organizations apart is really the emotional intelligence. That's great feedback. So, Heidi, I mean, I feel like we were able to cover a lot in a really short amount of time, but is there anything in particular that you feel like we overlook that is vitally important for the audience today? Yeah. So thank you, Mitch. That is a great question. I would say right now in our current environment with COVID-19 and thinking about 
how important emotional intelligence is and helping people deal with this um, and thinking about what we need to do to to help our employees. You mentioned some of the companies that are doing some great things and where CEOs are not taking their salaries. And I've been working with a lot of leaders on you cannot under communicate. I mean, sorry, you can't over communicate right now. Right. So thinking about how you can show empathy um, people are scared right now and any kind of, uh, things that you can do to help calm them, to help them with the financial concerns they have right now, or taking care of little kids or elder um, parent care, you know, how can you show some optimism in this space of uncertainty? Yes, we are all going through a tough time right now, and things are changing at lightning speed, almost by the hour, right? Mm-hmm. So it is thinking about um, we're we're probably not going to go back to the way things were. And I see um, in the chat box, there was a question about the new normal. And you and I were talking about this beforehand, too. Things are going to shift and we all have to be as flexible as we can and understanding. And I know. Previously, um, Christy had talked about giving grace where we can. Um, Summer talked about, you know, some of the mental health challenges that are going on right now to be understanding and tolerant and open as we're able and be aware of what our triggers are, are really key. And it's thinking about how can, you know, we're under stress too. So how can we take care of ourselves? Because we have to fill our vessel before we can take care of others. So that self-care is so important. I know some of our HR friends, Natalie, in the hospice um, care world, and thinking about those individuals and what are ways that we can reach out and help others. Um And how do we adapt to those changing realities and how can we help others adapt to those changing realities? I think those are some of the key things that we're going to need to help others and really focus on and help our leaders be aware of that and how we can help them help others. So, Christy asked a really good question. What are some of the tools to manage our emotions and interactions with others during these extremely stressful times? And so Heidi, while you're thinking about that, I can throw out a couple that I think are great. Um, Some of the resources that Heidi mentioned, uh, specifically a few of the books, but also going through and looking at a few of the websites. So HBR is a great resource. Uh, CIO.com has some good information on emotional intelligence just from a broader perspective. But then, like Heidi said, you know, going through and listening to Summer's conversation around how to just stay mentally healthy is a great resource as well right now. But Heidi, do you do you have anything specific that you can build on with that? I think there's probably some things that we can share that coin model that I mentioned is just a really easy, great way to think about, ooh, 
um, I know I'm being triggered right now, or I see that leaders being triggered. How can I intervene and help them be more successful? Or what are things I need to like, just walk away from a conversation, think about it and come back when my blood pressure is down a little bit more, right? Um, we were talking about kids earlier and, and, you know, I think our emotional intelligence can serve us in so many ways, not only in the workplace, but really at home too, in all our relationships. And um, sometimes we're hardest on the people that love us best because we know that we have that unconditional love and to be able to give that grace and help, um, stop ourselves and walk away, take a breath, um, mindfulness and just breathing and, um, some of those things that we learned in kindergarten, right? Count to 10. Um, our breath can take us into situations if we don't have, if, you know, if we allow it to be that shallow breath and it can take us out of things too, if we, breathe in, breathe out, and just count in our head um, like we were taught in kindergarten. So Sarah mentioned uh, something that I've noticed in emotionally intelligent leaders right now. They're the ones first addressing the emotional turmoil and stress their employees are dealing with. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge Elon Musk fan, and he's very well quoted for saying, our managers don't lead from ivory towers. Like, we're all in this together. And I think all of that feeds into itself, not only from the standpoint that Tesla, SpaceX, et cetera, are very stressful work environments and very well known for that. But everywhere is a stressful work environment, no matter where you're at, maybe just different levels of how we deal with it. But I, I do agree 100%, Sarah. It's, it's very apparent which organizations or which you know individuals are adept to deal with stress and handle it well emotionally and others that are really struggling with that. Yeah. I agree, Sarah. And, you know, to think about that flexibility too, um, Mitch, you mentioned Elon Musk. I mean, he's shifting to making ventilators, right? So how can we retool, um, keep our folks employed and engage them? So Cindy asked a really interesting question. Um, I'll read the whole, the whole quote so that it sets up well. But there's awareness and then there's willingness to change once you're aware. How can we encourage our employees to change once we make them aware? And can you really impact someone's... My mouse is over that. I apologize. I think it says ver- oh, versatility scale. That is a great question. I think, um, you know, we can lead a horse to water and it's their decision to act or not. Um, I think if we're able to help them see the benefits and um, the value in making that change and be able to show them examples where others have been successful, then that can influence them to change. And um, 
you know, I, I think it's like stretching a rubber band. Um, the more we practice it, the better we get. And it's part of that journey and the way that we can move along that journey together. And just like when we do training, to have that accountability partner and to ask them for their help and say, hey, this is something I'm working on and would like your feedback and to help me through this journey um, will help increase that versatility scale and stretch that rubber band and help people be them their best selves. And then the last question comes from Josh. And I think this is a, this is a really good way to look at this uh, as far as the perspective goes, but what are some important things to keep in mind as leaders, as we return to the new normal? So I think that some of the key things to try to remember is um, how we were in this crazy time that we're going through right now, how we can be more open and creative and um, continue to grow that resilience. I believe that right now people are more open to trying things. The new normal is funky monkey. We This is something none of us have experienced before. And even... Um, you know, I've been working from a home office for 10 years. These past two weeks have not been a normal work from my home office kind of time. Um, and I have found that I've gotten really out of my routine. Um, and there are some things that I'm able to be more creative. It's allowing me to work on some big projects and do a lot of research and things like that. And then to think about how when we get back to our workplace, whatever that's going to look like, how can we keep some of the key things that we're growing and learning these new skill sets and bring those into the organization? How can we focus on being more resilient Um continuing to engage our employees and being as flexible as we're able to be um, and based on what are those needs of the business as well as our employees. I think to go through and round that off, that goes back to what Christy said in the very first session, which was we all just need a little bit of grace right now. Yeah. Well, guys, I want to thank everybody for joining us today. This concludes coffee content, et cetera. I want to extend another huge thank you, Heidi, for joining me today and joining all of us to go through and talk about emotional intelligence in a time where we could all use a little bit more of it. And as we said before, a little bit more grace. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us. It was such a great conversation. Thank you so much, Mitch. I really enjoyed it. And great to see all you guys. It is, It just does my heart good. Well, everybody enjoy the rest of their day. Have a wonderful Thursday. Great rest of your week and stay well, everybody. Until next time. Bye, you guys. Take care. <laughs>